Okay, okay. Let's go someplace soft and romantic. How about the Vatican Lounge? Do you remember those genuflexual aromas inseeding the atmosphere at the Vatican Lounge? Those cheerful entrepreneurs smiling, all the while plastering the facade. Lattes, brioche, stracciatella e fongioli, blending the flavors by association. Madrid, Atocha, La Puerta del Sol. In the 60s, there was a taverna in the cider district called Café Coco. It was downstairs below a big stone building at the rotunda. Their specialty, Spanish cider. A cold fermented cider of apples from Aragon. The waiter pouring from a pitcher held high overhead in one hand to a glass held behind his back in the other, not missing a drop but splashily filling the bottom quarter of the glass with a bubbly foam. Toma pronto. Toma pronto. Drink quickly before the foam disperses, before it's undrinkable. Then the cheese. Queso de Cabrales. A slab of yellow granular cheese on a plate, served with a small fork. Another specialty served only here at the Café Coco. In the dim light of the room, the cheese appeared unstable on its plate. A closer look indicated it was actually moving amongst itself in a strange dance on El Platillo, in frente de mí, in Sconsando una buena autentic. No me diga. My mentor, Augustino Manolo Mendoza de Aguilera, took up his fork and showed me, closely, how to mash up the gusanos enredado en el queso. Y pues ya no movieron ello. Ah, the Vatican Lounge, it's Wayne Yentis, one of our Oz discoveries. We hope to have much more of his marvelous sounds in the future. Oh, well, looks like the devil got to Pope, and the debt bubble got me. Yes, Father uh, Gabriel Amorth, uh, the chief exorcist for the Holy See. Yeah, that man over there, he's the chief exorcist. Those over there, they're kind of like a sub-chief and all that group over there just learning to exercise. But this guy here, Father Gabriel Amorth, he's the chief exorcist for the Holy See. Well, he said in Rome that... Uh, the New York Times coverage of Pope Benedict, which cast doubt on his rigor in dealing with pedophile priests, was, and I quote the exorcist, prompted by the devil. There is no doubt about it, the 85-year-old priest said, according to the Catholic News Agency, quote, because he is a marvelous pope and worthy successor 
to John Paul II, it is clear that the devil wants to grab hold of him. So it's the devil inside the Pope. We're going to have to exercise the Pope. Now that's news. That's something I want to watch. That's got to be public because how are we to believe that the devil has been dragged out of the Pope unless we can see it happen? We saw it in the movie, The Exorcist. I mean, is the, is the Pope going to like spit green vomit and <laughs> spin around? Is, is the Vatican suddenly going to be like 20 degrees colder than Rome? Well, I can't wait. I mean, and, and I'm I'm all for him. I hope he pulls the devil out of him and starts talking about all the pedophilia and forget about, uh, you know, uh, infallibility and all that other stuff. That must be devil talk also. Anyway, he's the um, first in line of a very troubled church. Uh, the, the Bishop of Canterbury, which is the head of the Anglican Church, and I had a real interesting run-in with one of the bishops of Canterbury. I was uh, touring England. It was early in the morning. I was in uh, Kent, uh, York, excuse me, the town of York. And I went over to the York Cathedral early in the morning. And this young man comes running by, putting on his religious vestments. And it turns out he was that, at that point, the bishop of Canterbury. Young guys. They've got young guys, and they're fairly radical. Now, the latest one, in a BBC interview recently... Um, described the abuse scandal, this is the abuse scandal in, in Ireland particularly, as a colossal trauma for Ireland. He made no direct reference to the personal controversy that has swirled around the Pope in the wake of accusations that he failed to act strongly, strongly enough against pedophile priests. I guess he doesn't know that, that the Pope has the devil in him. And the devil just won't let him do nothing but say stupid things about it. So Archbishop Williams, the head of the Worldwide Anglican Communion, which claims 70 million adherents, was unusually blunt. And I quote the Bishop of Canterbury. I was speaking to an Irish friend recently who said that it's quite difficult in some parts of Ireland to go down the street wearing a clerical collar now, he said. And an institution so deeply bound into the life of the society suddenly becoming... Irrelevant, losing all of its credibility, that's not just a problem for the church. It's a problem for everybody in Ireland. <clears throat> the church is, is, is losing its credibility in Ireland, and the, the pope is, is, is struggling with the devil. These are like not hot times for the Catholic church. Well, <clears throat> we've got our own problems over here. You know, we, we're, we don't have a problem with the devil. We got a problem with the dead bubble. The dead bubble made me do it. The dead bubble made me do it. The problem is that our economy is no longer based really on manufactured goods. There's a little paper pushing and some lowball entertainment like this. But generally, most of the assets are debt assets. I go out to dinner and uh, sign my credit card slip and immediately becomes an asset in some company. Oh, they're doing well. Peter Bergman owes them another $10. As if I could pay. Okay. So, so the debt bubble. Everything's okay, man. The internet's going up. It's over 11,000, whatever that means. Bubble, bubble, bubble. But it turns out, okay, that in February of 2010, uh, this is, of course, the month that comes directly after January of 2010, when uh, borrowing, which is, you know, auto loans and credit cards were up, were up considerably. The, the economists got around and said, we're doing well. I, things, remember they told you we'd reached the bottom in January. There's light at the end of the carpal tunnel. Whatever they said, 
They said, they said, okay, they got all these economists together, and I was almost one of them. I, I actually started in, in graduate school in economics for a brief time until I was bored out of my mind. So it puts all of these economists together, and they say, oh, things are good. We're going to, we're going to go up $500 million in borrowing, uh, auto loans and credit cards, in February of 2010. They were just a little off. We lost $11.5 billion in credit borrowing. They were only off by $12 billion. So I don't think we can count on the economists to show us the way. Maybe GM can do it because GM is happy to announce that in the last half of 2009, they only lost $4.3 billion. Okay. Now, they're 60% owned by the United States government at this point, which is our form of state capitalism. Tea Party's wrong. It's not socialism. It's state capitalism. We bought their stock. We didn't take them over. We're, this is like our first taste of China. I don't know which way we're going, but okay, here's the good news, though. With why This is why everybody over there in Detroit at the uh, corporate headquarters of General Motors are so happy because they have been awarded the opportunity to use a new technique called fresh start accounting. This is something that has been figured out by the United States government. So General Motors can now use fresh start accounting. And they say they're very happy because it, re it takes a look at their assets and they're worth a lot more than they thought they were. Well, I, where do I apply for this? Okay, maybe I can't get some of that $150,000 in rucksack money that's going around Afghanistan. Maybe maybe I can't get my hands on that. And, and maybe I can't pay off my, uh, my taxes with toxic waste the way most corporations can. But I would like to get a chance to like try some fresh start accounting. That sounds like something that would help me, help me get out of this morass. I feel like, remember Woman in the Dunes? A long time ago, it was one of those really, really narrative films. She's down in this sand dune. She keeps trying to get out, and she can't because she can't get any grip on the side of the dunes. That's how I feel economically right now. I need some fresh start accounting. Well, that's Radio Free Oz, April 11th, 2010. Our engineer here, recording engineer and owner of Blue U Studios, is Dave Maloney. Bill McIntyre is the producer. John Connors is our technical wizard. Uh, Phil Fountain is head of the Oz Design Group and makes the web pages look so pretty. I'm your host, Peter Burton. And we'll be back. We'll be back on the 19th of April, which is a week from tomorrow. And we're going to be going every day. 50-minute show, posted midnight every day, Monday through Friday. Five days a week, you'll have Oz in your ears. Tell your friends, spread that nerd of mouth.